welcome back to Locked On Red Sox on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Gabrielle, founder of Girl at the Game, and happy Patriots Day. I know it doesn't feel like it, and it probably snuck up on you the same way it did on me, but today actually is Patriots Day. Now, of course, there is no Boston Marathon today, and that just makes it feel even weirder. All of the things that we usually track our time by, sporting events, graduations, proms, birthdays, they don't really have the same meaning right now. And not having a Boston Marathon only reinforces that and also, of course, reminds us all of 2013 and the Boston Marathon bombing. But the Boston Marathon's official Instagram account posted a really sweet, simple tribute that I thought I would start off today's episode by sharing with you. They put a beautiful picture of the sun hitting the Boston Marathon start line, and they captioned it, To the doctors, nurses, pharmacists, dentists, medical personnel, EMTs, police officers, firefighters, grocery store workers, custodians, postal workers, delivery drivers, bus drivers, train conductors, we'll wait to start until you reach the finish. That's just so beautiful and so sweet. And I just want to take this opportunity to thank all of the people who are doing their part to make sure that the world at least partially keeps spinning. Thank you so much. I always loved Marathon Mondays growing up because it was a day off from school and my mom would stay home from work and the marathon came down Beacon Street right by our house in Coolidge Corner. So we would walk over and stand and watch the runners and cheer them on for a few hours. And as I got older, I knew people who would run the marathon. And without going into too much detail, you can read my full 2013 story on girlatthegame.com. I'll say that on Marathon Monday 2013, I was in college and I was working as a nanny and the little girls that I nannied for lived right by the finish line of the marathon. And I had taken them down there earlier in the day to see the marathon route and it was so crowded and I remember just being nervous about being in charge of three little girls and worrying about losing one of them in a crowd or one of them getting stepped on or something. And it's funny now that those were my biggest fears, given what was going to happen later that day. But eventually we left because I had to take the older girls to gymnastics. And while I was driving them to gymnastics, my phone started going crazy. All of these notifications, people were texting me and calling me, asking me where I was and if I was okay. People from out of town. And I used to live in New York because I did my first year and a half of college there. And I thought that it was friends that didn't realize that I was going to college in Boston now. I said, I don't live in New York anymore. And my friend from summer camp said, no, bomb's going off at the marathon. And I just felt a chill go through my core because I had just been there with these kids. And my childhood best friend was running in the marathon and my family friend was running in the marathon. And I was like, I'm in this car with these kids and I don't know what to do. And so I, we got to the gymnastics class and I was sitting in there. It's me, a 20-year-old nanny, and all these moms. And all of us are sitting there. And a lot of us had small children with us who were the siblings of kids taking gymnastics but weren't old enough for gymnastics. The youngest girl I babysat for was only three years old. So she was just sitting on my lap. And I'm scrolling through my phone, my updating CNN on Twitter and AP, all of these things, trying to figure out what's going on and and trying to get in touch with these girls' parents so that they could come and pick them up because everything around their house 
was closed off because they were trying to find the terrorists. And I finally got in touch with them and the girl's dad came and picked them up. And I went home and I just crawled into bed and just hid under the covers. And I'd never felt so scared. And a few days later, when the manhunt was going on, I remember looking at pictures that were being posted by photographers of the city being completely shut down on lockdown. No one was allowed to leave their house. We had FBI agents that I waved to from my bedroom window who were out there looking for the terrorist who was still alive. And it's really surreal to be recording this episode basically in a different kind of lockdown, talking about that lockdown, and vividly remembering how weird it felt to be in lockdown then for our bustling city to be completely quiet because now I've weirdly gotten used to the world being super quiet. Anyway, the reason I'm talking about all this is, of course, because today is April 20th, and that is the anniversary of the first game back that the Red Sox played at Fenway Park after the bombing. But I don't want to get ahead of myself too much there, because today is actually a very historic day for Red Sox Nation in the city of Boston. I, of course, am talking about the fact that it is Fenway Park's birthday. The ballpark opened on April 20th, 1912, and the opening of the ballpark was overshadowed, of course, by the sinking of the Titanic five days earlier. In typical dramatic Red Sox fashion, they won their first ever home game with an 11th inning walk-off against the New York Yankees, who were then the New York Highlanders. And fast forward a couple decades, a 20-year-old Ted Williams made his major league debut going one for four. The first of his 2,654 career hits comes in the form of a 400-foot double at Yankee Stadium, but the Red Sox lost that one. And if we fast forward to this millennium, in 2010, the Red Sox allowed the Texas Rangers to steal nine bases, including a club record five in one inning which tied a franchise record set back in 1913, a year after the ballpark had opened. So 2010 wasn't exactly a great birthday for Fenway Park. And in 2012, Fenway turned 100 years old, which is a huge deal for the ballpark and also for baseball in general, because as we know, so many beautiful historic ballparks have been torn down over the years to make way for these corporate monstrosities. And yet Fenway is still the same quaint, somewhat dilapidated beauty that has been there since 1912. And so for its 100th birthday, the Red Sox made a pretty big deal, as they should have. And honestly, the 2012 season was so terrible that I don't like to think about it because it makes me so sad and furious that the 2012 team did Fenway dirty the way that they did for her centennial. But on this day, it was still early enough in the season that the year wasn't the nightmare that we now know it to be. Fenway had a big ceremony and all the legends showed up. Yaz, Pedro, Tiant, even Bill Buckner was allowed to come. And of course, Johnny Pesky was there just a few months before he passed away. And that's a whole different story. And funny enough, one of the first pitches was thrown out by Caroline Kennedy daughter of President Kennedy and great-granddaughter of Boston Mayor Honey Fitz, who threw out the first pitch at the first ever Fenway game in 1912, which is just so cool. Those are the little threads that I love, those little things that connect the Red Sox franchise from year to year, team to team, player to player, through history. I love things like that. 
And obviously that was like a conscious choice. But all of these things that happened, like Ted Williams making his debut and having his first hit on Fenway's birthday, even though it wasn't at Fenway, this is just a special day in Red Sox franchise history. April 20th will always be a special day. And in 2018, I'm skipping 2013 for a moment. In 2018, on a less happy note, and ironically one of the only bad things that happened in the 2018 season, the Red Sox were no hit by Sean Manaya and the Oakland A's. And not only were they no hit, but they were no hit for the first time in 3,987 games. It had been 24 years and 364 days since the Red Sox had been no hit, and they couldn't make it one more day to make it a full quarter century without being no hit. And not being able to make it that one last day is just so Red Sox. I remember thinking that at the time, I was like, of course they couldn't last until a full 25 years. That's so Red Sox. Now, before I talk about 2013, we have to talk about food for a second. Because I've eaten three lunches today, and if you're like me, you're a person who thinks about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I especially love food now because I have so few options of things to do to pass my time that I've been eating even more food. And that's why I love using Postmates. And I love them even more right now because I can get food delivered without leaving the house or even opening the door. Given what's going on in the world, Postmates created non-contact deliveries. So now when I order from local restaurants, everything gets left right outside my door. They also have Postmates Pickup, which I've been using to order takeout from my favorite local restaurants. Listen up. You guys need to be supporting your neighborhood spots right now. I've only been ordering local because it's a great way to support my community. I don't want my favorite places to go out of business just because the whole world is put on hold right now. And Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make life easier by picking up everything I need from Walgreens, 7-Eleven. They'll drop off anything outside your door. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Okay, now let's talk about 2013. I watched the entire game in preparation for this pod. And for starters, I forgot what it's like to watch an entire baseball game. You know how they say that players show up in the best shape of their lives and everyone laughs because it's like you definitely spent most of your offseason stuffing your face the way I am doing right now in self-isolation? I'm out of shape for watching baseball games. I am tired from sitting through a baseball game on my couch with a plate full of food. Anyway, my low stamina aside... If you haven't watched the April 20th, 2013 game in its entirety, it is available on YouTube for free, and it includes the opening ceremonies, which of course are one of the most special parts of the 2013 season. Now, I have a little inside scoop for you guys. I am very close friends with the man who orchestrated those opening ceremonies. His name is Dr. Charles Steinberg, and he, at the time, was the senior vice president of the Boston Red Sox. He is now the president of the Paw Sox, soon to be the Woo Sox. He's been working in baseball for decades. He is brilliant. He has the best stories. And he's an absolutely incredible human being. I've known him since I was a kid because we go to the same synagogue. 
he showed me the script for this pregame ceremony. I have held it in my hands, the same paper that was used on the field. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. David Ortiz likes to say that he just spoke from the heart. There was no script, no speech, etc. And part of that is true because no Red Sox executive in their right mind is going to put swear words in an opening day ceremony. But David Ortiz did have a partial script. The script is for him to thank the mayor, the governor, the police force, all of the people that he thanks in the speech that we now know it to be. And then he just went off script. But in his book and in interviews, he likes to say, I just spoke from the heart. There was no speech. There was like a little bit of a speech. And the part that's unscripted, of course, I'm talking about. This jersey that we wear today, it doesn't say Red Sox. It say Boston. We want to thank you, Mayor Menino, Governor Patrick, the whole police department for the great job that they did this past week. This is our fucking city. And nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Thank you. I get chills every time I listen to that, and it has to go down as one of the greatest moments in sports history. It's definitely top five moments in franchise history, and you can really argue that it's one of the greatest moments in baseball history as a whole. David Ortiz in that moment went from being a postseason legend to a Boston hero and icon. You can't minimize the impact of that moment. President Obama called it one of the proudest moments of his presidency, and and maybe my favorite footnote of that story is how the FCC declined to fine Poppy. And they actually tweeted that day, David Ortiz spoke from the heart at today's Red Sox game. I stand with Big Poppy and the people of Boston. And the tweet was signed simply Julius, which is Julius Janikowski. I probably did not pronounce that correctly, but he was the chairman of the FCC at the time. And interestingly enough, he had actually announced about a month earlier that he was going to be leaving the FCC. So maybe this was kind of his last hurrah to just throw caution to the wind and let David Ortiz say whatever he wanted. And I'm so glad that he did because it would have been such a downer if after such a beautiful, uplifting, absolutely epic, very Boston speech, the FCC had been like, you know what, we're going to totally rain on your parade because Bostonians haven't been through enough that we have to find their hero for trying to make them feel better. It would have been so lame. So thank you, Julius. And so after the pregame ceremonies, which are so beautiful, and if you have 20 minutes, you can watch them and have a good cry listening to Jeff Buckley's version of Hallelujah over the video montage that they played that day. And once you get over that and actually start watching the baseball game, you remember that coming into that game, the Red Sox were still a complete anomaly because they were a team that was pretty much totally rebuilt over the winter with a ton of random free agents that Ben Charrington had acquired. John Farrell was only about two months into his managerial tenure, and David Ortiz had been injured and had been rehabbing in Pawtucket. 
And to make it even weirder, Clay Buckholds had a .41 ERA in three starts coming into this game. We now know Clay Buckholds is the guy who totally fell apart and we all wanted to kill him, but Clay Buckholds was really good. And he struck out the first batter he faced in the game, Alex Gordon, and he did pretty well. But the Red Sox bats were just not having it for a while. And then, of course, David Ortiz shows up. He first collects his first hit of the season. And then a few innings later, he ties the game with an RBI hit, his first RBI since August of 2011, and ties the game. And so on April 20th, 2013, David Ortiz's 2013 batting average was 500. And something else I totally forgot is that it wasn't just the Red Sox who were wearing the Be Strong patches on their jersey. And by the way, if you're like me and you like making things, you can find those Be Strong patches on eBay for pretty cheap and iron them or sew them onto stuff. They're really special. I have a couple of them just sitting around for the day that I finally make my vintage Red Sox patch jean jacket that I've been wanting to do for about four years. But I thought it was really special that other teams around the league were coming together wearing Be Strong patches. As I discussed last week, the Yankees played Sweet Caroline at Yankee Stadium when they were playing the Diamondbacks just to show support for Boston. And it was really something that around MLB, teams were rallying behind Boston. And you could really feel the love and support. I remember that. I remember reading about different teams doing different things for Boston. And I was overwhelmed by the kindness of that. At the end of the day, baseball is supposed to be something that brings us all together. And so even if you root for different teams, sometimes there are things that are bigger than baseball and bigger than team rivalries. And this was one of those times. And then, of course, you had the epic surprise that Neil Diamond had just shown up at Fenway Park unannounced. He had flown from Los Angeles and asked the Red Sox if he could sing Sweet Caroline during their first game back. He just showed up and he went out onto the field and sang Sweet Caroline with the crowd. And there are some people that really don't like Sweet Caroline. And I get that. Some people don't like fun. But... I personally love Sweet Caroline. It was the song that my friends sang to me at my bat mitzvah because I was already such a big Red Sox fan at the age of 12. And I love it. I mean, I don't love it when the Red Sox aren't winning and then it's like, really, we're going to sing a happy song when our team is playing terribly. But I also can't help but sing it no matter if they're winning or losing because it's just fun. And then, of course, Daniel Nava got up and smashed a massive home run to propel the Red Sox to victory. And Don Orsillo had a great call. So that's how I'm going to end today's episode. Nava hits it in the air to right field. Frank Hoy going back. He's at the wall. Boston, this is for you. A 3-1 home run for Daniel Nava puts the Sox on top, 4-2. Boston, this is for you. And that's really what the entire 2013 season was. It was a love letter from a team to its city. And it's made all the more remarkable by the fact that a lot of those guys were brand new to the team. They were brand new to Boston, and they didn't really know what they were going to get. And all of a sudden, less than a month into the regular season, they had this enormous responsibility 
foisted upon their shoulders that they were not expecting, that they were going to have to heal a city. And led by David Ortiz, they did it. They healed us. Obviously, they didn't bring back people that we lost or heal injuries or take away trauma. But they distracted us and they uplifted us and they gave us something to root for and something to believe in and they gave us a place to go that felt safe. They made Fenway feel safe when the rest of the city was still picking itself back up. You cannot discount or minimize how much the 2013 team gave us. That season was incredibly special and I'm forever grateful. So that's all I've got for you today. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at GFSTARR1 and follow Locked On Red Sox at LO underscore Red Sox. I live tweeted the entire 420 2013 game today. If you are, if you'd rather read my crazy tweets than, if you'd rather read my crazy tweets than actually watch the game yourself. And when this episode is over, tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On MLB, our national coverage podcast. Happy Patriots Day. Stay inside. Be kind to people. And as always, go Red Sox.